Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a series that we've been in on, I think it's four or five weeks now. We've been going through it uh, for the summer. It's called The Twelve, where we're studying the lives of the apostles, the 12 uh, ordinary people that God chose to do extraordinary things through. And he, it was ama- it's an amazing story because God, Jesus chose these 12 men who were fishermen, tax collectors. He chose these 12 men. He poured into them for three, three and a half years. He dies on the cross. He's resurrected. And then he's ascended into heaven. And he leaves the church in the care of these 12 people along with the Holy Spirit. And these 12 are assigned to, go, to lead the church. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. That's what I saw happen this week. Ordinary people going down to L.A. doing extraordinary things at the Dream Center because God called them to go and do what God was asking them to do from their heart. And it changes our lives. It changed the apostles' lives. The apostle John I spoke about last week. I'm going to continue speaking about him this week because I just feel like I couldn't do justice in one week. We have to have two weeks. And as I was sharing last week, John was the author of five books of the Bible, Revelations, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, the Gospel of John. Um, He wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was a great leader in the New Testament church. The Apostle Paul calls him a pillar of the church. And as you read through the writings of John, you soon discover that there's two main themes that that just beat in his heart. And those two main themes are love and truth. Say it with me, love and truth. John was very passionate about truth, but he was equally passionate about the love of God. John sums up his passion for truth in his first letter when he writes these words in 1 John 5, verse 2. He says, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. We know we love people when we choose to love God and obey God's truth. We love God and others in displaying God's truth in our lives. It's being willing to be truthful to someone when you know you've wronged them, when you know you've hurt them, and you're willing to be able to display the truth in your life by going there and saying, hey, you know what? I did you wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It's being truthful even when you know it's going to cost you something. When you know that when you share this truth, it will might benefit someone, someone else, but guess what? It might harm you. But you know what? The truth is so important in your life that you're going to be willing to share the truth. And guess what? That displays God's love in you. It's being truthful to stand up for the righteousness of God. Even when, it, when everybody else might be failing, you may, might not be standing up, you're the one standing alone saying, yeah, I'm going to stand up for the righteousness of God. When we practice truth, Guess what? We also practice love. Have you ever noticed that God's commandments are centered around relationships? The first four commandments, if you read in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, if you read Moses, when he writes out the Ten Commandments, God gives him, writes, God writes them out. Moses takes these tablets of stone. The first four commandments deals with our relationship with God. The next six commandments deal with our relationships with one another. See, God is all about relationships. The commandments are built from a viewpoint of love. We develop rules in our home because we love our children. 
We want to protect our children. We don't want them to get burned on the stove. We don't want them to walk out the front door and get hit by a car. So we create rules. Parents, don't look at your kids right now. We create rules to protect our children. We want our children to love their siblings. We want them to love one another. So we create these rules to help spur that on. God has given us rules to promote his love in our lives. He has given us rules to promote his love in our lives. This is, this is one of the core environments of our church is authentic love. It's why we go to the Dream Center. It's why we, we do the, 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 the outreach where we, we feed Ecuador. We help that village in Ecuador. We feed them for a year. It's because, you know what? It's one of our core values. It's authentic love. It's who God is. Everything God does is about his love for us. And we have a choice to either accept his love or we have a choice to reject his love. John the Apostle discovered firsthand the love of Jesus. In fact, several times John refers to himself as the apostle who Jesus loved. Now, when you read that, the apostle Jesus loved, he tells that in the Gospel of John. When you read that, you kind of think that maybe, man, that's kind of self-promoting. It's kind of arrogant in some ways, conceited. But I don't think or I don't believe this was John's heart at all. I believe John was truly in love with his Savior, and he truly understood the love that Jesus had for him. I'm the one that Jesus loves. When you first discover that Jesus loves you that much, all of a sudden, I don't know why we don't proclaim that in our own lives. I'm the one that Jesus loves. Sometimes you need to wake up in the morning, and when you get out of bed, you say, I am the one that Jesus loves. You need to remind yourself that Jesus loves you. It's like the the homeless person out there, he's saying, this little light of mine or Jesus. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself, I'm the one that Jesus loves. John became the apostle known as the apostle of love because John completely embraced the love that Jesus had for him. It transformed his life. In John's ministry to others, he wanted them to experience the same love that he experienced from Jesus. He wanted them to experience the power of God's love, that transforming power that changes you from death to life. We should follow John's example by creating an environment in our own lives of God's love in our life that not only changes us, but it should change everybody around us. I want to dive, in a pas- dive into a passage of scripture today that is written by the Apostle John. It's found in his first letter. 1 John, and we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture. You'll notice there's one theme in this passage of scripture, and it's love. And we're going to start at verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone loves a, is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world, so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought into full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. 
All who desire that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. It's not all who desire. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. Poor eyesight. And they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. I'm going to say that again. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Let me say it one more time. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Wow. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid... It is for the fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Let's, let's just take a moment and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We are always so excited about your word. We're excited to read your word. But most importantly, Lord, we ask that your word will become rhema to us. It will become powerful to us. It will become alive, quickened by the power of your Holy Spirit so that it doesn't just remain words, but God, your words will turn into actions in our life. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we read this section of scripture, you can start to see multiple truths that John is, that John is revealing in this passage of scripture. And the first truth that I want to share with you today is that love comes from God. Say that. Love comes from God. We would not truly know love if we didn't know God, because we know God in many ways. In fact, even a non-believers, I can't imagine that a non-believer can't know God. If you step outside and you look at creation, how do you not understand that there is a God? When you look, when you walk down to the beach and you see the waves rolling, how do you not understand that there is a God? When you walk out into the forest and the trees and you see all the, all the different bushes and the animals and everything that's taken place, how do you not believe that there is a God? They might not choose to believe in God, but creation itself reveals God's love. Every individual has the right, though, to either choose to believe God's love or reject God's love. Remember, we each choose what we believe. We either choose that this whole world was created by accident or we choose that we have a creator who loved us enough to make this world. And if we believe that there is a creator, if we believe that there's an ultimate there's a God who created all things, and he sent his son Jesus to die for us. If we believe in that, then we also have to believe that he is the one who created love. Love comes from God. It's not just an accident. God miraculously displayed true love when God sent his one and only son to be the sacrifice for the world, the Lamb of God for all people. Love comes from God. The apostle Paul writes it this way. He says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It brings me to the next truth that I want to reveal from John's letter, and that is this, that love identifies us. And let me clarify that the love that we're speaking about is not a, it's not a friendship love, it's not a romantic love. It's, it's an agape love. It's a sacrificing love. John writes that this love clearly separates 
those who know God and those who don't know God. If you have agape love that's self-sacrificing love that's willing to give, is willing to put others before yourself, it, this does not come from your own selfish desire. It comes from something that God, the creator of heavens and earth, has given to you. It's called an agape love. It's a love that is willing to sacrifice even your own life for someone else. Jesus displayed it on the cross for each and every one of us. As a child of God, you are identified by your love, agape love. If you don't possess this agape love, then you don't know God. Because if you truly know God, then agape love is evident in your life. It becomes part of your DNA. In John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was one of the elite Pharisees, and he comes to Jesus in the, at night because he knows that, man, there's something going on. Jesus is healing all these people. There is some truth that Jesus has. Tell me about this truth. And Jesus all of a sudden shares with Nicodemus says, you must be born again. Nicodemus goes, what? How can an old man enter into his mother's womb? See, Nicodemus is thinking about a physical birth. Physical. No, 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 no. Jesus said, you don't get it. I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, John 3, 6. It's the Holy Spirit who gives birth to our spiritual life. It's the Spirit of God that begins to change our life. We take on God's Spirit because God's Spirit is living within us. It starts to change us. Someone should get excited. It starts to change us. Look at it from a physical perspective. You can see similarities and mannerisms that your children have gained from you. Maybe it's the way they walk. Maybe it's the way they talk. Maybe it's some of the actions that they take place. Maybe there's physical similarities. But you can see in your children some of you. When you look at my, my wife and my daughter, Brittany, when you put them together, you'll say, oh, they're absolutely related. That must be mother and daughter or maybe sister and sister. And that always thrills Annette when she hears that. I know. Thank you very much. But here's the scenario. You know that they're related because guess what? You can see part of the DNA. You can see it. People need to see God's love in us. It's how we are identified as a follower of Christ. Man, there's something different about that person. What's different? It's God's agape love in us. If we are children of God, then we should have a spiritual likeness to our Heavenly Father. We should be identified because God is seen in us. The next truth I want to share about this passage of Scripture that's revealed to us is found in verses 9 and 10, that love is demonstrated to us by God. John reminds us in verse 9 and 10 that it wasn't God who just demonstrated, it was God who demonstrated his love for us. He sent his he didn't just say words. He put action behind it. He sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. Agape love. Look at verse 10 again. This is real love. Say it. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The apostle Paul says it this way. He says in Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
God didn't choose to start loving us once we were all cleaned up and looking nice and having our new duds on. What's the new word that everybody's saying that the, for the threads? What are they, what's the new word that you just said today on the platform? I can't. You said something. What was it? Fit. Our fit. Yeah, see, that's a new one. I've got, I got to get. Come on, keep me updated here. The fit. See, God chose to love us in our mess and disgust. He loved us when we were broken and hurting. He loved us in all of our sin. He loved us all the way to the cross. The creator of the universe loves us enough to become our, our, our personal sacrifice. And when you grab a hold of that truth, it will transform your life. It transformed John's life. John the Apostle, as he's the one that's at the cross, at the crucifixion, to our knowledge, the only apostle there. And he's not only just seeing his Savior being crucified, he's seeing his friend being crucified. And he's being crucified because Jesus loves John. He loves John enough to put his own life and die for John's sins. He loves he loves each and every one of us. He loves hate enough to go on the cross and die for hate and sin. He loves bread enough for Jesus goes on the cross and he dies for bread sin. When you grab a hold of that truth, it has to transform you. It has to change you. It has to make a difference in your life. See, God's love goes beyond words. God's love turned into action. The next truth I want to share is loving others reveals God's love in us. You find it in verses 11 and 12. This action, this is the action required for us as followers of Jesus. We can't just talk about God's love. We must demonstrate God's love in our actions. It's an essential part of being a believer or follower of Jesus is learning how to not only love God, but it's learning how to love others. Even loving others in their mess. Again, John is not writing about a friendship love. He's not writing about a romantic love. He's writing about an agape love, a self-sacrificing love. It's a love that is filled with goodwill for others. It's a love of benevolence. It's a love of kindness. It's a love of service. It's what we see that took place at Dream Center when people went out this week and we served at Dream Center. I shouldn't say we served. They served at Dream Center. They gave of themselves. Agape love is to be shown to all people, not just to our friends. Scripture says even to our enemies. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan who was willing to show kindness to a person that most likely hated him. But he was willing to, hurt the, to help the broken and the hurting. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's one we should say on a regular basis. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When was the last time you prayed for someone who was persecuting you? Jesus says that's what we're called to do. See, agape love is not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult. But God has called us, not to easy, but sometimes to difficult things. I tell you, this is what's the truth that's missing in our world today. We have no tolerance for those who disagree with us. Zero. We have a political world that is so divided. We have... We have, the, we have the liberals, we have the conservatives, we have the moderates that don't know which way to go. We have all these in between. I'm just teasing. If you're a moderate here, I'm sorry. But it seems like we all hate each other. And it seems like we can just fall right in the line and all of a sudden 
we're hating one another. And God has never called us to hate one another. He's called us to love one another. That's why I don't bring politics into, this, into our church because it's a division. It causes division. And guess what? The only thing that should divide us is the truth of God's love. It's the truth of God in us. That's the only division, not politics. If we're not careful, we can so easily get entangled into this thinking. But this is where truth and love must come together. We must decide what is truth and stand upon truth, and we must decide what is love and never let it go. It's why I don't, it's why that we it's so important that we continue to work hard in loving people. It doesn't matter what your politics are. If you disagree with me, you disagree with Jesus. Because Jesus didn't just didn't die for some people. Jesus died for all people. We must learn to combine truth and love together. Never letting go of biblical truth. While at the same time embracing God's love for others. I'm not saying it's easy. It can be difficult. Look at the life of Christ. It wasn't easy. But it's what we're called to do. By the way. When I say truth, I'm not speaking of your truth. I am speaking of God's truth. Many times we try to make our truth God's truth. Many times we try to make our truth God's truth. And as a follower of Christ, it's the exact opposite of this. God's truth needs to become our truth. Not easy to do sometimes, but that's what needs to happen. John discovered this lesson. Remember when John and James, I just shared about this a couple weeks ago, when James and John were walking into the Samaritan village and they were going ahead of Jesus and they sent some messengers ahead to prepare the way and they were going to get a room and some nice meals and and they didn't want Jesus into their Samaritan village because he was going to go worship in Jerusalem. Remember that whole story I was sharing and then all of a sudden James and John, because it says in the Bible that the sons of Zebedee, should we call down fire from heaven, Jesus? Should we destroy this place and call down fire from heaven? And Jesus rebuked them. No, 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 no. You're not going to call fire down from heaven and destroy this place. See, John discovered a lesson. He needed to discover a lesson. He needed to understand. Jesus didn't just rebuke John because he wasn't in the right truth, but he wasn't in the right love, the agape love. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It's so important that we combine truth and love together. Truth without love can be deceitful. Truth without love can be deceitful. I'm saying it wrong. Truth without love can be hateful. Love without truth can be deceitful. When we have truth without love, and you've seen it before, just Bold, it can be so hurtful and hateful. And then love without truth, when we're not willing to really speak the truth because we love that person so much, we don't want, it can be deceitful. You've got to combine the two together and bring them together. In our life, we need them working hand in hand, and John learned this from Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes, and walk in love. In Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice of God. Walk in love. To walk in love. Man, you know what? It makes me think of my grandson, Vinny. 
You knew Vinny was going to come up in an illustration sooner or later, right? It makes me think about Vinny. He's, he's what is he, ten, is he 10 months yet? 10 months old. And that was at the park with him this week. And she's getting let go of him and he's starting to stand on his own. You know, he's starting to get his balance. If you walk with him, he can start taking steps. And, and pretty soon he's going to figure out his balance. Pretty soon he's going to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. And all of a sudden he's going to be walking. He's going to be walking by Christmas. I know it. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be, and, and with those first steps when he starts to walk, everybody's going to be celebrating. We're going to be so happy. Brett and Danielle are going to be ecstatic. Grandpa and Mimi are going to be, ah, all going crazy because Vinny is taking his first steps. We're so excited. Brett's probably going to even cry because he gets really emotional. He's going to start crying on those first steps. It's all going to happen. I wonder if that's what happens in heaven when we start learning how to walk in love. When we all of a sudden start taking that first step, when we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about someone else. When we put someone else in front of ourselves. I wonder if all of heaven all of a sudden starts to apply. It's happening. They're taking their first step towards love. See, when we love others, it reveals God's love not only in us, but it reveals God's love to others. It reveals that we truly have God's spirit living in us. The last truth that I want to share with you today. God's perfect love removes all fear, found in verse 18. We see that, we see that truth, John writes that truth. As we remain in God's love, we become more and more confident in his love. Daily, our love grows to be more Christ-like. It doesn't just happen overnight. It grows as we continue to spend time in God's presence. It's like little Vinny. When he was born, he just didn't come out of the room and start walking around. That would have been crazy. We didn't go, oh, what's going on? No, no, no. It's taken him a while to develop. It's taken his physical body a while to develop, to get strength so his legs can support his body. Guess what? It takes a little while as Christians, as we start walking with Christ, as we start developing spiritually, this love and this truth start to combine in our lives, and we get stronger, and we get stronger, and we get stronger, and we start practicing love and truth together. Spiritually, God's love and truth grows in our lives. John states in this passage of Scripture that perfect love expels or it removes all fear. The word perfect can be translated complete. It can be translated full-grown, growing into maturity. Perfect love removes all fear. Remember, perfect love happens when we continue to walk in the truth. Jesus shared with his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 10. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. When we walk in the truth, we remain in God's love. And just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. It's not that we're perfect. Otherwise, we wouldn't need a Savior. We're not perfect. It means that we're continually striving towards the truth. Allowing God's love to change us. Back to John's statement. What does it mean when he says perfect love expels all fear, removes? How does perfect love remove my fear? It's important to return to the basics of this and understand that God is love. 
Again, the love that's being referenced is an agape love. It's not a romantic love. It's not a friendship love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a benevolent love. It's a kind love. It's a charitable love. And a love that seeks the best for others. And the fear that John is referring to in this passage of Scripture is a, judge, is a, a judgment fear. It's the fear of God's punishment. When you read the Bible, you will discover that there is a judgment day. And Jesus will be the judge. There is that day that is coming. But if we are living for Jesus, guess what? The love of Christ, the Spirit of God that's living within us, removes any fear of judgment because we know we are standing with Christ. We don't have to fear the judgment because guess what? We have friendship with Jesus. We love God. Jesus said in John 3, 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Paul continues this truth in Romans 8, 1. He says, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. As a believer, if we understand God's love for us, then we have no reason to fear judgment. It's understanding Jesus' great love on that cross that took away our sins. It took away judgment day for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Because guess what? When that judgment day comes, all of a sudden, oh, I know him. He's one of mine. I know him. He's one of mine. I know her. She's one of mine. The only ones that need to fear judgment are those who reject God's love. As Paul writes to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. See, fear comes when we're not walking with Jesus. As we learn to put our trust in his love, fear all of a sudden diminishes. There are some great stories in the Old Testament, and I love them. I know i just a couple more minutes. Some great stories in the Old Testament. One of my favorite is the one of Shadrach, Meshach. And as I grew up as a kid, and to, and to bed we go, and that's how I remember that, bed and go. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed and go. Three young Jewish men that loved God, loved God's truth. And they were willing even to put their life on the line with King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar asked them about it. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And King Nebuchadnezzar, the punishment for these three Jewish young men was to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And as you read this story, you discover that, that they just don't have fear in their life. And why don't they have fear? It's because they're walking with God. In fact, when they're thrown into the fiery furnace, what takes place? Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fiery furnace and says, didn't we throw three people into the fiery furnace? Why do I see four? And why are they untied? It's because Jesus was with them. You see, when we have the love of God in our lives, when we have the Spirit of God in our lives, we don't need to fear anything. We just walk with God. It's learning to put one step, one foot in front of the other and keep on walking with Jesus and allow His perfect love to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, set us free from all the baggage so that we can start loving others like Jesus loved others. That's what God is calling us to do. Paul writes, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. And in that passage of Scripture, he even says, death can't separate us. Death can't separate us. I've been with people on their deathbed. I've been in rooms when people have passed away. And I've been in those rooms where, why is there such peace in the midst of such a huge happening? 
Why am I standing in this room and as someone is dying, there is such a peace in this room? It's because they're walking with Jesus and the love of God is covering them and they don't have to fear death because they have God with them. That's a beautiful place to be, knowing that God is with you. It takes all fear away. John understood this principle about balancing love and truth together because Jesus taught this principle in his life. It's a principle that we should live by. It's like the old saying, it says, you can't have one without the other. You can't have truth without love. You can't have love without truth. They need to go together. We can never abandon truth on behalf of love, nor can we vacate love for the sake of truth. They need to go hand in hand. Amen? Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, that your love and truth changes our life. I pray for each and every one of us here today that, Lord, that you will speak into our lives, that you will show us how to walk in a love, Lord God, that's not self-serving, but, Lord God, that's self-sacrificing. I pray, God, that you would change us from the inside out. Turn us away from our selfishness and turn us, Lord God. Turn me, Lord Jesus to be more and more like you each and every day. Teach me how to love in a new way, in a fresh way. Lord God, let your spirit, Lord God, lead us. Let your spirit reside in us. Let us be a church, Lord God. Lord God, let us be a church that's creating an environment of authentic love in people's lives. Change us, God, to be in your image. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.